Well, many people say that we live in a busy age. While we have more gadgets and appliances to do stuff for us than ever before, and we perhaps feel that we're more busy than ever before. And we've got too many things to do. We've got not enough time to do it. And even if um, people were equally busy in the past, we certainly often feel like we're the most busy generation or in this most busy age. It's not uncommon to ask someone, how are you doing? Maybe you found this and they've said, I'm good, but I'm busy. In my time in St. Andrews University and later working for the church there, busy became almost the standard response. Uh, If someone asks you how you're doing, you say busy. And as a student, that was almost a badge of honor. If you were busy, then you are doing something, you're working hard, you are doing something worthwhile with your life, with your time. And I remember that many hours in the library, the um, staying up to 11 o'clock, working there. I always felt very busy. And then I started working for the church. And I realized that, well, maybe I wasn't so busy. And then I got married. And then I had a baby who's sitting there at the back. And now I look back to those student days. Maybe you've done the same thing. And you think, man, I wish I had all that time I had back then. Well, we know that different periods of life have different uh, levels of busyness. Um, but I think it's fair to say that busyness is something we can all relate to in some way, whether we're um, young or middle-aged or retired and whatever our working life situation um, might be. The problem with busyness is though that is that we can do lots of good things and easily end up missing the most important things, the necessary things. And our passage this morning is that well-known story of Mary and Martha. Many of you probably heard it. Five short verses Uh, But in them, the potential to completely reorder the way um, we think about our lives and that we conduct our lives. Not just reorder our our lives around what is good, but around what is necessary. It's a lesson about priorities. And it begins with what is necessary. As I said, this morning, we're going to look at foundations of following um, in these two sections in Luke's gospel Uh, With Mary and Martha and then the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is laying down foundations for following him, both in listening to his word and responding in prayer. And so as we look at um, this first foundation and laying the priorities of what is necessary and listening to him, uh, we're going to begin then with our first point, that one thing is necessary. That's what Jesus says to Martha in verse 41. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The story of Mary and Martha is one of the important and the necessary. Jesus has been going from towns and villages, and we're told that this woman, Martha, welcomed him into her home. And straight away, we should be thinking, that's good. If you've been reading um, Luke's gospel up to this point, um, Jesus has told his disciples when they're going out on mission, to bless any um, homes and families who invite them um, into their homes. And so Martha is doing the right thing in inviting Jesus in, in providing hospitality and recognizing that he's someone important, that his teaching is important. And then we're introduced to Mary, who sits at Jesus' feet and listens. Also the right response. Meanwhile, though, Martha has gone back. She's gone into the kitchen and she's preparing lunch um, or dinner. And the right attitude to a hospitality to someone who's important. But she's starting to get frustrated because her sister Mary isn't helping her. And what we see is a very much a situation you'll see among siblings. Martha's getting a bit annoyed. 
Um, she wants her sister Mary to help her. And so she does what often siblings will do, not go and talk to their other sibling and ask them to help, um, but appeal to a parent. And in this case, it's appealing to Jesus. And she comes and say, Lord, tell my sister Mary to help me. I don't know if you've got um, brothers or sisters, but I can certainly see that situation playing out with my own sisters. I've got four younger sisters, um, and I can definitely see them telling me to do that as well if I'm not helping out. So Martha comes up and she's in some ways literally standing over Jesus saying, tell my sister Mary to come and help me. But how does Jesus respond? Jesus answers, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion and it will not be taken away from her. Let's be clear, Jesus isn't saying that what Martha's doing isn't important or isn't useful. He commands, he commends this hospitality. However, what is necessary, what is supremely important is sitting at his feet and listening. To put it another way, feeding Jesus is important, but being fed by him is necessary. Listening, in other words, then is the top priority in the Christian life. That's the point of this passage. Why is listening to Jesus so important then? Well, again, if you've been reading through Luke's gospel, he would have been dropping hints all the way up till now. I mean, Luke chapter 4, verse 32, and we're told about Jesus' words of authority. People are amazed at his teaching because he speaks with authority. And this is not um, the kind of authority of a rabbi whose authority comes from the Old Testament. Jesus speaks with his own authority, not appealing to something higher than himself. He is the highest authority. He speaks with the authority of God. Later on in Luke chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus tells a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Only God had that kind of authority. And yet Jesus is acclaiming that power with his words. Later on, Jesus comes across a funeral procession in Luke chapter 7. And he says to this man who's lying on this, um, who's been carried along, he says, young man, get up. Jesus not speaks word, doesn't just speak words of authority in his teaching and to forgive. He speaks words of power that can bring the dead to life. I mean, just from a, hopefully a snapshot of um, verses from Luke's gospel, that you can see that Jesus' words are important, are powerful, are something that we need to take seriously. Listening to Jesus is foundational to the Christian life. And Jesus, um, in, a, in a very famous parable, illustrates this brilliantly. I don't know whether you've um, heard um, this. Let me just read it out to you. Luke chapter 6, verses 46. Jesus says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house, but could not shake it because it was well built. The one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and the destruction was complete. Very simply, if you build your life on the rock solid foundation of Jesus's words, you're safe. But if you ignore his words, if you don't listen to him, your life has no foundation and you face destruction. You don't need to be a genius to understand the point of Jesus' parable. 
Notice it's listen and put into practice. No one is saved by sitting in church. You can have heard more sermons than anyone else in this room. You can have heard the greatest preachers and evangelists, whether in person or watching them on YouTube. You can have heard the clearest gospel presentations about what it means to um, come to Jesus and be saved. However, if you don't act on those words, if all those words just go in one ear and out the other, then you might as well never have been listening. Jesus reinforces the point later on. He says, um, my mother and brothers are those who hear my word and do it. In other words, you can't be part of Jesus' family if you aren't listening to him. To summarize, then, you begin a life of becoming a Christian. You begin the Christian life by listening to Jesus, by responding to his word. You also continue the Christian life by listening to Jesus and responding to his word. We never graduate from listening to Jesus. The Christian life is one whole life of listening and listening and listening. And if you've read Luke's gospel, you might know that the story of Mary and Martha, the context of the story, where it comes in the the whole um, story of Luke's gospel, um, it comes as Jesus is on the journey to the cross. This story, this section from chapter 9 to 19 is sometimes um, known as Jesus' school of discipleship. At the beginning of chapter 9, Jesus predicts his death and says that when he gets to Jerusalem, he's going to be betrayed, um, he's going to be sentenced to death, and he's going to die on the cross. And after that, he begins to teach his disciples about what it means to follow him. He's soon going to be gone, but his disciples need to know what it means to follow in Jesus' footsteps. And so in this passage and in, and in others, Jesus is laying foundations for the Christian life. What it means to listen to him when speaking to God in prayers, we'll look at this evening. First and foremost, then, you might say this is an urgent thing that Jesus is saying. And so first and foremost, you might say that a disciple is a listener. A person who follows Jesus is a listener. They don't do their own thing. For the first disciples, that meant listening to Jesus, um, listening to Jesus' words, to his teaching, and to what God says in the Old Testament. And now as Jesus has um, died and has ascended into heaven, um, we still have the Old Testament. Now we sung from it in the Psalms, we'll read from it. Um, but Jesus' life and his teaching and, um, and, what, and, the, and his teaching as it continues through the apostles who laid the foundations of the church, we find in the New Testament, we hear Jesus' words. We hear God speak as we read his word. If you haven't, um, if you're only just coming across the Bible, um, you might be surprised that there's 66 different books, but it's all one united um, story. There's one divine author, God himself speaking through the pen of all these different authors. That means, as I was said when I was praying, when we um, read God's word, we're not simply hearing things about God. This isn't just a, an encyclopedia. This isn't like Wikipedia where you come across different um, themes, different articles. You learn different things about God. This is God himself speaking. He's speaking through the pens of the authors so that we might hear him, hear his words, his words of power, his words of life. The author to the Hebrews says that the word of God is living and active, sharper, sharper than a two-edged sword. Listening to God's word then is vital for becoming a disciple, becoming or a follower of Jesus, and also growing 
as a follower of Jesus. It always strikes me what the Apostle Peter writes in his first letter. He says, um, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, speaking of God's word, that you may grow up into salvation. Now, how does a baby long for milk? Well, they scream until they get it. I think my son might be being fed as, as we speak even. I'm not sure. But a baby doesn't wait until it's convenient. A uh, baby doesn't, um, doesn't, isn't happy if you just give them a substitute, give them a dummy, or just um, rock them back to sleep. When a baby's hungry, when a baby wants food, they are going to scream until they are fed. If you don't believe me, just pop around the manse at 5 a.m. tomorrow, and I'll show you. These verses that Peter's saying that are, are challenging them. So often our attitude towards God's word can be, when is it convenient? Um, when, it does it, when does it suit me? Um, pick, picking just bits to read that maybe suit us. Rather than crying out for it like a baby longs for it. So let me ask you, when we read God's word, do we treat it? Do we long for God's word? Do we long to hear him speak like a baby for milk? You see, that's what Mary did. It's probably high time that I came back to this passage. That's what Mary did. Mary knew a little bit about Jesus. And women didn't normally sit at a rabbi's feet in that kind of culture and listen. Women weren't normally there surrounding them, listening to the teaching. But Mary didn't care what the cultural convention was. She had heard about, about Jesus she had heard that this is the person who had spoken words of authority, words of forgiving sins, raising people to life. And she was going to sit in front of him and listen. She was going to find out what he had to say. Because when Jesus is speaking, there's nothing more important than she could be doing, that we can be doing. Nothing important, more important, even helping your sister with the dishes. So a question for us, maybe, what will it look like for each of us to grow at listening, in listening to Jesus, to become more like Mary, more like a baby longing for pure spiritual milk, sitting at his feet and listening. Maybe for some of you here, or whether you're listening online or here in person, that first step is listening to Jesus in the first place. Maybe you're just coming across God's word, just looking into um, Christianity. Maybe the first step for you is um, actually opening the Bible. And reading one of these gospels, one of these eyewitness accounts about Jesus' life, and hearing his God's voice for the first time. Or maybe you'd call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus. Maybe that next step for you, to listen a bit more. Maybe you've, maybe you've followed, maybe you've heard something. Maybe that next step, though, is to just to keep listening. It's so easy, isn't it? And when you become a Christian, to be all excited in that moment and want to find out more and more about Jesus. So easy, though, to plateau. Maybe the next step is to be opening your Bible on a regular basis and hear and pray that God would speak to you and to hear what God has to say. Let me ask you, are you setting aside regular time to sit at Jesus' feet and listen? Now, a, a quiet time or a time of devotions isn't commanded in the Bible. But let me just ask this. If Jesus really is God himself speaking words of life, and if we can't grow in maturity without listening to what God has to say, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we read God's word? I'm not speaking as someone who finds that easy. It's a discipline. But sometimes the most important, the most worthwhile things 
Often the most important and worthwhile things aren't the easy things. They're the things that we have to set aside time, train our minds, discipline ourselves to do. But they're always infinitely worthwhile. As important, though, as how many times we read our Bible or how many times we go to church, though, is how we listen. Um, you might say active listening rather than passive listening. Um, let me just illustrate the difference to that. Um, passive listening is what you might do when you're in a lecture um, and you're being told about bomb disposal and you're maybe just sitting comfortably um, back in your seat uh, making a few notes. That's passive listening. It's not that urgent. Active listening is when there's a bomb in front of you. <laughs> And someone is telling you on the other end of the over the phone which wires you need to cut and not cut. That's active listening. That's the kind of mentality we need to have when we come to God's word. It's not something to be read lightly. It is God speaking to us. Speaking to us to give us life. What about preparing to listen? Do we come ready to hear God speak? Do we come expectant to hear God speak? I'm not here normally, so I can, I can ask you that question. As, as, you, as you know that Andy's going to be speaking on a Sunday, are you praying for him? Are you praying that as he, as he preaches, as he opens God's word, that what he'll be saying is faithfully and powerfully speaking the word of God? We often talk about gathering to worship, and that's true. But in some ways, you might say that our first priority in gathering isn't worship but is receiving God's word. The reformers often referred to the church, um, that is the people, as a creature of the word. We are created, we're upheld by God's word. Uh, we can do nothing if we're not first um, sustained and fed. We're utterly reliant on him like a baby is of milk. It's only when we've been fed by God's word that we can overflow in serving him, in worshiping him, both on the Sunday and throughout the week. So for all of us, how are we going to grow in listening to God's word? How are we going to grow in prioritizing listening to Jesus like Mary? Are we like that crying baby? <laughs> you don't normally say, how can we become more like a baby? How can we become more like Mary sitting at his feet? Listening to Jesus is vital. It is necessary. But why then do we struggle so much to listen? I think that's true of all of us. You might even, even just in the past five minutes, um, switched off and now you're kind of um, jolting back. We so often struggle to listen. And I think that's because many things distract. That was what we see in this passage, especially. I think most of us understand um, where Martha is coming from. Because we often find ourselves in situations um, where the many good and useful things distract us from the most important things. One of Jesus' most famous parables was the um, first reading that I read, um, the parable of the sower. And it illustrates so many of the reasons that we struggle to listen to God's word. Uh, the devil snatches it away. There's suffering that um, crowds out and that um, takes away um, God's word. There's thorns of the world, the cares of the world, the pleasures of life that surround, that distract, that pull us away from hearing God's word. That's a very helpful framework, maybe even to start off with asking, why do we struggle to listen? And I think one of the reasons um, it's hard to listen to Jesus is that we do face external struggles. And there are many times when the devil snatches away the seed, as Jesus says in the parable, we'll be sitting, we'll have heard something, we'll have read something, and a minute later we'll 
have just, it'll just have gone from our minds. We'll forget what we're even reading. It'll just be snatched away. And there are many things in this world that um, can distract us from listening. Many good things often, hobbies, good books, TV programs. There's nothing wrong, inherently wrong with some of these things. But frequently, it isn't just um, the pleasures of the world, you might say. Good things as, as well as bad that can distract us. But it's often endless, endless to-do lists. All the busyness that crowds out our minds, that weighs on our minds. I don't know if um, about you, but often I can wake up in the morning and immediately um, in my mind is going through all the things that I have to do that day. Immediately my mind is thinking, okay, well, what do I need to do first? And sometimes I just, I, I forget. I forget to spend time in God's word. I forget to pray because I'm straight away thinking I have to deal with all these different tasks. And time listening to God is crowded out by all the busyness of the day. It's so easy to let tasks crowd out to listening to God's word. And anxiety, the anxiety of of stuff to do, robs us. It really does rob us from the joy of listening to God. We need to prioritize listening to Jesus, otherwise there'll never be space um, to hear him. Uh, I don't know whether you were at school or anything, you heard this kind of illustration of how to prioritize your time, the Um, different size stones and you have to fit them in a jar and if you stick all the little stones in you'll never have space for the big stones you've got to stick the big rocks in the jar first then the smaller rocks then the sand only then you'll have space to get everything done well I think often we think that the big rocks in our lives are the the big tasks we have to do at work or big jobs at home and then we prioritize those and then God's word just fits around it we need to treat listening to Jesus as that that biggest rock that goes in the jar first, because it'll never fit in around everything else if we don't put it in first. Often our reasons for not having enough time can be related to Christian service even. I don't know whether you found that. I don't think it's just people in ministry who find that. It's so easy to um, so easy to be doing things for Jesus. But then the question is, are we doing actually what he wants? To be busy to be busy doing Christian service, to be busy doing stuff, but not actually doing the simple thing he asks, the one thing that is necessary, which is sitting at his feet and listening. The Pharisees, I'm reminded how the Pharisees did a lot of stuff for God. They were strict Sabbath observers. They were generous givers. They were careful law keepers. But Jesus calls them whitewashed tombs because although there were signs of life of doing stuff for God on the outside, They weren't listening to God. Most of all, they weren't listening to Jesus. They didn't love him. It was just a facade. Beware the facade of doing stuff for God and not having relationship with him. It's easy to blame our distraction, though, on all these outside things. There really are outside things that distract us. But the root of our problem of distraction lies in our hearts. We need to recognize that. We need to admit that. Otherwise, we'll never get at the. Otherwise, we'll never be able to tackle the the, the problems, the tr- struggles with listening. In his book, um, "Crazy Busy" by Kevin DeYoung, you've, you've probably heard of him. He's a very good author. Um, one of um, he mentions that one of the big heart issues behind busy lives is pride. He speaks of the killer peas. I wonder if you can res- these resonate with you. People pleasing, proving yourself, performance evaluation possessions, poor planning, 
perfectionism. All these things that often cause us to, well, they're all symptoms of pride. They're often things that lie behind our busyness. We say yes to lots of things because we want to be seen as a, as a keen worker. And we want to be seen as someone who's worthwhile um, to prove ourselves a good friend, a good colleague, diligent neighbor, diligent church member. We do stuff because we figure we're irreplaceable. Pride feeds busyness. We think, well, I'm the only one who can do this. I'm irreplaceable. I need to be doing this. I need to be saying yes to that. And we say too, yes to too many things and it crowds out Jesus. We need to recognize our humanity, that we are finite, not infinite. We don't have an endless capacity. You might say in some ways the first step to listening to Jesus is recognizing that God is God and we're not. And leaving all the things that we can't do with God so that we can prioritize the most important things. Another heart problem behind our busy lives that really struck me was that often we use busyness to hide the emptiness in our lives. Why do we respond when someone asks us how we're doing saying, I'm busy? It's often because we justify our existence with doing stuff. That the more stuff I'm doing, I'm making my life worthwhile. Tim Creda in the New York Times made this observation. He says, busyness serves as a kind of existential reassurance, a hedge against emptiness. Obviously, your life cannot possibly be silly or trivial or meaningless if you are so busy, completely booked, in demand every hour of the day. Ecclesiastes says that God has placed eternity on the hearts of mankind. There's a void that cries out to be filled. And some people will tell you that, um, that we're just a collection of atoms randomly placed together. Most of us know that's not true. We seek meaning, meaning in our lives. We seek to, um, in our work, in our relationships, to have meaning, to contribute towards meaning, because we know that it's not just random. We try to justify our existence, whether we're Christians or not. And often that's through busyness. I regularly have to remind myself that my value isn't in what I can do or what I can't do. I don't know whether you find the same. Your value isn't how, in how successful you are in your career, in how many people rely on you, in how many people you manage, in how good a parent you are, in how many people confide in you and how many things you're doing at the church. Our value doesn't lie in our busyness in what we can do or what we have done. Our value lies in what God has done, in creating us in his image. And if we're trusting in Jesus, in saving us to be his people. You know, I think if we were all more confident, more convinced that our value lie, that God was our source of value and worth and not what we did, we would all find that quite liberating because we'd, be, we'd no longer be chained to trying to justify our existence through our busyness. We'd realize that our meaning lies with him and not what we can give. There are so many things that clamor for our attention, so many good things, so many important things, but one thing is necessary, sitting at Jesus' feet and listening. Psalm 86 verse 11 says, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart, that I may fear your name. I once heard it said that our relationship with God's word 
reveals our relationship with God. Our attitudes to, towards God is revealed in our attitude towards his word. If we love Jesus, then we will love his word and listen to him. Conversely, if we don't love God's word, what does that say about how we love Jesus? What does that say about our relationship with him? And I want to end on this because while the main application of this passage is to listen, it is possible for listening to just become another thing on to-do lists. Just another thing that we have to do, another thing to keep busy for Jesus by listening. Listening in some ways, you can say, isn't something, listening isn't something that we do for God. It's something that he does for us. God has spoken. He's a speaking God. He has spoken through his word. He has spoken through the person of Christ Jesus. God become flesh. He has spoken now through his spirit and these inspired words we listen, we listen not to fulfill an obligation, but we listen to have relationship with the living and speaking God. We don't listen like a student in the lecture. We listen like a lover with his or her beloved. That's why, although it would be great if we came away from this, each one of us wanting to spend more time in God's word, my prayer, and I hope your prayer, will be first and foremost that we'll go away from this loving God more and loving his word more. Because let me tell you that then wanting to listen will flow on very naturally the more we grow in love for him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd give us a greater and greater love for you. That as we hear your words, you would stir us up and with an awe a wonder, a great joy that we can know you as our heavenly father through Jesus Christ, your son. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for your word. We pray that from a love for you, that would overflow in a love for listening to you, to prioritize listening to you at home and at church, with, uh, in private, in family, um, with individuals, with friends. We pray that at all times we would be people who listen to you that you'd feed us and grow us and give us life according to your word. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.